A Fear the Fro special presentation. I'm unhappy. Let's make changes. Time to roster. Rearrange. Blow it up. A hypothetical trade. That's what we're here to talk about in depth today. A blow it up. Yes. Pack your house. Pack your wife. Pack your kids. Pack your dog. Pack your whole damn life. Blow it up. A boom. Coming in. Sending out. Player here. Picks there. Dream big. Penises out. Blow it up. A Fear the Fro trade exploration. What the hell was that? Charlotte Hornets. Buzz. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast, friends. It is I, Bob Schmidt, your host, your lifelong Cavs fan host. And this is one in a series, the second one in the series. I've already touched upon the Atlanta Hawks, but for those of you who didn't hear that episode, let me just clarify what my intentions are here. This is not a normal Fear the Fro podcast episode. There is no game. We will be discussing goddamn alarm. I'm sorry I set that so I could record this podcast, and yet I'm awake because I was eager to do it. So anyway, uh, the Fear the Fro podcast trade exploration series is simply that. It's an ongoing discussion. It is not based in anything. I have zero sources. My sources are the streets and my guts and the things that I read, the wild speculation. But since the internet is full of filthy fucking lies... You can trust none of this to be anything of substance. But what I like to do is simply take teams which are likely to be sellers on the trade market and explore their rosters, looking for ways in which the Cavaliers might be able to improve their rotation, their starting lineup, their bench, their future prospects, whatever it may be. So Atlanta was an obvious place to start. Alphabetical order. That was how I was going, but also I was going with a team that was woefully underperforming. Since I've spoke of the Atlanta Hawks, they are on a three-game winning streak. They have fought their way back to 500, and they're sitting in the ninth overall spot in the Eastern Conference. At the time of this recording, I feel fairly confident in saying the team that we are discussing today will not be making any big moves up the standings. They are the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Losers of five straight at the present moment. And the team I speak of, the 11-34 and 34 Charlotte Hornets. Now, the Hornets are ripe with assets. Not because their roster is loaded with talent, per se, but because they find themselves in a situation where it is both beneficial to lose as much as humanly possible and many players on their roster are in the final year of their contract heading into unrestricted free agency specifically the players i speak of who this summer will be free to go anywhere including places that aren't abysmal franchises kelly Oubre, mason Plumley, pj washington heading into restricted free agency jalen mcdaniels dennis smith jr and nick richards all those names are people who could be changing teams just due to their own free will pj washington would be a little harder to extract from Charlotte because they have the ability to match. Leverage comes with the ability to match and oftentimes scares off offers. Just look at our former Cavalier, Colin Sexton, had a very difficult time finding the contract that he wanted, now flourishing in Utah. Although, interestingly enough, Ochai Abaji starting to carve out big minutes, actually got more minutes than Colin the other night, starting to make a role for himself. And if Beasley moves, our former draft pick, could find himself in a much higher minute position than he is now. But this is not about the Utah Jazz. This is about the Charlotte Hornets. So 
let's discuss what could take place with our beloved Cavaliers. Now, I think a good place to begin this discussion is with the other team, the Charlotte Hornets, and an honest assessment of what it is that they would be trying to accomplish on the trade market. Because, as I said in the previous episode, too often we're fixated on our needs. We want a wing. We want shooting. We want floor spacing. We want a good young player. We want contractual control. We want all those things. But what is it that the Hornets want? Well, the answer is simple. They want assets, and they don't want things that are going to help lead to more victories this year. They're trying to bottom out. They're all in on Victor Wembanyama, on Scoot Henderson. They don't need help. They don't need much help. I mean, between injuries, Gordon Hayward, fisticuffs with Miles Bridges and uh, Kelly Oubre's out of the lineup with injuries, a lot of their key contributors are not even playing basketball at the moment. However, with several of those same key contributors approaching unrestricted free agency, Oubre, Plumley, Jalen McDaniels, they're going to have to decide, do we want to risk that these guys will walk away or do we want to offload them now for whatever we can get in an effort to acquire draft assets, first round picks, second round picks. This is not a team with any kind of desperate need to offload their contractual mistakes. Even if you take Gordon Hayward, who has one year remaining on his contract at an astounding $31.5 million next year, even if you take him, who's oft injured, who's productive when healthy, but by all objective measures is a disappointment of a signing, they have no real need to offload him. They head into the offseason this year looking to have over $35 million of cap space. So for teams looking to come in here and leverage the Hornets by saying, hey, we'll take Gordon Hayward's deal if you bundle it with other assets, those are going to be difficult deals to pull off. Now, if you incentivize it with draft picks, then yes, those things could absolutely happen. But in the Cavaliers' situation specifically, the biggest thing that they could do for the Charlotte Hornets is offer to take on Gordon Hayward's contract. And while that is It's not without value. It is certainly not the focal point of what it is that the Hornets are trying to achieve in offloading some of these players. They want picks. Picks, picks, picks. That's what it's about. Let's take a look, though, at the roster because this is about dreaming. This is about dreaming and scheming and figuring out things that, at least from a financial perspective, give and take from both sides, some compromise, perhaps we could arrive at a deal. Now, the first type of category that I like to discuss are the prize assets on the roster. The guys who make the most sense for the Cavaliers from a fit and desire objective. And I call those prize asset. prize asset. And for that, I would have to say for me, it's Jalen McDaniels. Jalen McDaniels is a six, nine, six, 10 wing entering the fourth year of his rookie contract. Now as a second round pick out of San Diego state, The problem for the Charlotte Hornets is that Jalen McDaniels does not come with the ability of restricted free agency. He's going to hit the unrestricted free agent market looking to cash in. And due to the prototypical size, length, and reasonably good outside shooting, it is going to be an expensive endeavor. He could make as little as, say, $12 million a season or He could make as much as $18 million a season, depending on the faith in him putting up the same type of production on deeper, better squads. 
Perhaps you think some of what he's done is smoke and mirrors and the opportunity that comes with playing in Charlotte just simply wouldn't exist other places with more thorough rosters. But that's to take nothing away from the growth that this young player has shown during his time in Charlotte. Now, the brother of Jaden McDaniels in Minnesota, who we just saw, the per 36 minutes fouling machine that exists, has somewhat of a similar profile. He is long. He is a very solid defender, not quite as good as his brother in that regard, and he's proficient at his outside shooting, a career 36% three-point shooter in his four seasons. If you were to plop the two brothers' stat lines against one another, they're nearly identical. Jaden, in Minnesota, is averaging 11 points, four rebounds, and two assists. Jalen, in Charlotte, 11 points, five rebounds, and two assists in slightly less minutes. Advantage Jalen. But here's why he's such a valuable, versatile asset for a team like the Charlotte Hornets. They like him. They would like to retain him. Unfortunately, there is no guarantee that Jalen doesn't hit unrestricted free agency, get a monster offer from some other team, and walk out the door for a a better role, just more wins in general. We don't know what he prioritizes. Money, obviously, will be a huge priority. And the same would hold true if he gets traded. Anyone who acquires Jalen McDaniels Better be ready to open up the checkbook, or this could be a rental with no return. What makes Jalen nice from a contractual standpoint is as a player who makes only $1.9 million this year, he can be tossed into almost any deal as the, well, this is why you're taking on Gordon Hayward's contract type of trades. They could find teams who are willing to eat the final year of Gordon Hayward's deal, and they could use Jalen to grease those teams to say, look, What you get is this young prospect. What we get is immediate relief from Gordon Hayward. However, the Hornets would only do that if they truly believe that they don't have a chance of retaining Jalen or that his price tag is so high that they're not going to pursue that. But take a team like the Cavaliers. Just on face value, you know where I'm going with this. It's very easy for the Cavaliers to take a contract like a Kevin Love and flip something like Gordon Hayward and Jalen McDaniels. They could absorb basically both those deals. It'd be a pretty even swap. You might have to tweak a little bit here and there. Maybe you throw a couple second-round picks. I don't know. Because, again, players taking up salary space who don't help lead to wins aren't really even hurting them that much because their short-term objective is to be bad so that they can get better through the draft. And while they'll likely retain some of the guys that are hitting free agency, I would not be shocked to see P.J. Washington return because, as always, restricted free agency is a bitch for the player, trying to get offers and trying to create leverage. So he could find himself in a similar position to many other restricted free agents and signing for a reasonable fair market deal that is somewhere between his desires and what the teams would hope to pay him. However, with the Cavs, I think two players primarily should be the targets, Jalen being one of them, if they were to acquire him. There's almost no scenario in which draft pick-wise, the Cavaliers have anything that would entice the Hornets to roll the dice on trading him rather than risking that he walks out the door. I don't think you can say, oh, well, we'll give you a second-round pick, two second-round picks in Windler for Jalen McDaniels. It's definitely not worth the gamble for the Hornets. I would much rather take my chances on re-signing Jalen in the offseason. They've sunk four years of development into this guy. Yeah. If they know they're going to lose him, then get something for him. But I think there are teams right now that would offer a late first-round pick 
to acquire Jalen McDaniels with the understanding that they're willing to do what it takes in the summer to retain him. And I alluded to it earlier in this podcast, but he's a guy who can command between 12 and $15 million a year on the free agent market. I would not be shocked in the least. If things get crazy, you don't see many small forwards with that kind of size, 6'9", 6'10", with that kind of youth. Everybody wants 3 and D wings. We keep hearing about OG Ananobi. Oh, he'll get multiple first-round picks and young prospects. And he's he's a great player, don't get me wrong. But to hear suggestions that he could fet, fetch packages similar to Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, that's our asking price. It's asinine. Now, it's a seller's market. And the middle of January is the time for posturing. There is still weeks to go before the February 9th deadline. So you're going to hear a lot of shit that will never materialize. By all accounts, people are asking for wild things. 34-year-old Boyan Bogdanovich in Detroit, we want a couple first-round picks. That'll get this deal done. Or we want un, an unprotected first for a 34-year-old. It is vastly different. I mean, a couple years ago, the Cavs offloaded Clarkson, and their return was two second-round picks for a guy who ended up being the sixth man of the year, who is young. Not to mention, they had to eat Exum's salary to do it. So, yeah, they got two second-round picks, but it came with a terrible deal. Now, it worked out. Exum became Jared Allen. I'm not crying about that, but I'm just saying, look at the escalation we're seeing from players who are, you know, solid starters or super subs. I love Boyan, but that is a real gamble to begin with. But Jalen McDaniels would be my priority. Now, a second guy that falls into this category for me would be Kelly Oubre. This isn't a 1A, 1B for me. This is a distinct Jalen Williams, 1A, Kelly Oubre, 1E, 1F. Because for as talented as Kelly Oubre is in terms of his ability, there are some things that come along with him which are not nearly as desirable. The first of those being he is a high-usage player, and he is a high-usage player who isn't even that efficient. Now, you may think of him as a scorer, and certainly he is. However, he's not much in the way of efficient scoring. Over the course of his career, he is a 43-33 split guy. I don't know if you realize, not the best three-point shooter. A high-volume one, certainly. The last two seasons, since signing with Charlotte, he has taken over seven attempts from outside a game. Now, yes, we're on a coro all the time. We ride him. We want somebody who's willing to take outside shots. But Kelly Oubre takes every shot. He takes inside shots. He takes outside shots. 18 shots a game this season. And he's given you 20 and 5. He's a solid defender, if not spectacular. A much better blocks guy than you would expect over the course of his career. But if there is such a thing as a high-volume gunner, that is Kelly Oubre. And furthermore, he's in the last year of his deal. There is no guarantee beyond this season. A lot of the other options we've discussed, guys like Tim Hardaway Jr., Malik Beasley, those are guys who you have some contractual control over for one to two years beyond this season. They let you kick the can down the road the way that the Cavs did turning Rubio into Levert and then Levert possibly into something else if they can't figure out an extension for him. The way that they did in bringing in Andre Drummond when Deli and Henson were on the books. Now that blew up in our face spectacularly. Hopefully that does not happen with Levert. You have to recoup something from him if you're not planning to extend him. And I was having this conversation uh, with Carter Rodriguez about the idea that maybe the fact that Levert is slightly underperforming is a positive thing because you could extend him at a lower cost than he costs right now. If you could get Levert for 12 to $15 million a year for the next two to three years, would you do it? Do you think that in that time, 
you would have enough trade value that you would still have options available to you that are more promising than a half-year rental of a guy who just underwent surgery for a torn ligament in his hand in Kelly Oubre, who I think we can all acknowledge is a bit of a hothead. Who knows what that does to the locker room if you drop a guy into a team like Cleveland with title aspirations, who was a guy who had free reign to gun in Charlotte, and you say, we need you to confine your usage. We need you to scale back your shots. You can't take 18 shots a game. You can't just willy-nilly fire up misses and play through it because wins don't matter. It would be a very different role in this team. And Golden State, they had no urgency to retain him. Yes, they had salary cap issues of their own, but he was very young. He was a good scorer then. He was a solid defender. They let him walk because I think the verdict is out. At Well, I don't know, verdict's out, verdict's in. What do I want to say here? But basically what I'm saying is I don't think if people know if he can exist in a winning system, he has played on some absolute turds. And I don't love using that argument to generalize players because you can't control where you're drafted to. You can't control your play. I hated it with Sexton. I probably shouldn't be doing it with Ubre, but sometimes I watch that guy and I just think, you're not playing to win. And yeah, do you want to win if it comes through you? Sure. But can you play an ancillary role and do it effectively? Because if you can say one thing about Levert, it's that he's subjected his own skills for the betterment of the team. Now, perhaps you'd like him to assert himself a bit more, but it's the devil you know in this circumstance with me. Now, a trade for Ubre would be pretty straightforward. You could swing either way. You could move him for Levert and bundle somebody with him, a Cody Martin, a Book Knight. That would make the numbers work. Or you could go down the other way towards an Osmond who makes slightly less than him. That's risky, though, because Osmond has another year after this at less than $7 million. So you'd be risking losing a role player, period, just for a half year of Ubre. Now, if I'm the Hornets and I'm trying to lose, I might consider just offloading Ubre for Osmond and Filler straight up. You'd get a very cheap, solid rotation player who maybe doesn't play the best defense, but you're not trying to win. You're trying to fill out a roster, pay some people, pile up some losses, and get some generational talent in the draft. So Osman over Ubre doesn't change that trajectory. And it's one more cheap deal that allows you to absorb even more bad contracts next year. You fill the roster spot with a productive player for less than $7 million. Well, that gives you more of that cap space to take on bad deals a la Oklahoma City. If the Hornets sign no one, really, in the offseason, if they just commit to this tank super hard, they could find themselves in the position that Oklahoma City was, where they've carved out substantial cap space and they can take on deals for draft assets for teams who are looking to offload bad salary. That's a whole nother avenue available to them, which Oklahoma City has certainly weaponized to give themselves a much brighter future. Now, I was hesitant to even put Ubre in the prize asset category because while I think he is a very skilled scorer, I just don't like a lot of the things that come with him. His demeanor, his contract, and what the Cavs would have to include to get a deal for him. It'd have to be one of Osman or Levert, and quite frankly, I don't know that I personally see the value in giving up either of those guys for Ubre. But I put him there mainly because if you view bench scoring as something that desperately needs to be addressed— I think he's one of the better scorers who in all likelihood will not fetch a first-round pick unless it's a conditional one. Let's talk about some other players who fall into a different category. Circumstantial deal. Maybe. Let's talk bigs, shall we? Because the Hornets are an interesting squad in that they have 
a couple of young centers on their roster sitting behind a very productive, expiring, older center. And that player, you may know him as the doormat for Jared Allen, a man regularly dominated by our starting all-star center. However, don't overlook Mason Plumley because Mason Plumley, first of all, is on a very reasonable deal. This season, he's only making $9.1 million. That is a deal that could match a player like Jetty Osman. Would I want to move Osman for Plumley, who's an expiring contract? Maybe I, I could be talked into it. It would depend on a couple things. I think I would advocate for that before I'd advocate for Ubre, if I'm being perfectly honest. I like Osman, but I think what we're seeing is that JB clearly doesn't have a lot of trust in him, and he has a very short leash because Osman makes somewhat frequent defensive mistakes. Despite his offensive talent, his transition talent, he can't seem to find his way into a regular role. And if we get healthier on the wing, that may be even harder to come by. But the trend this year is similar to last year. Every month of the season, Osman's minutes are falling. 26 minutes in November, 22 minutes in December. And here we are in January, and he's playing 19 minutes a game. And in the last five games, he has barely cracked. He's cracked 15 minutes one time. He's nearly out of the rotation altogether. He scored 11 points cumulatively, in the last five games at the time of me taping this podcast. I don't know what the hell is going on, but I haven't seen a Turk treated this poorly since Enos Cantor abandoned basketball to go on his one-man anti-LeBron campaign. Do you take a guy like Osman? Do you move an Osman to address a need in backup big man in case you suffer an injury to one of your two bigs? And also to give you a little bit better play than what you're getting out of a Robin Lopez. What Mason Plumley does do better than almost anyone is rebound at a prolific rate and score at an extremely efficient rate. In the month of January, I do not know if you realize this, he is at the ultimate expiring sell high point as his January numbers are a healthy 16 points and 13 rebounds a game to go along with four assists. He's always been a center who could find other people, a very good passer. He could fit right in next to our new Donnie Dimes, Jared Allen, who is just assisting everyone out there in the month of January. But in the month of January, 76%. Every single month of this season, he has gotten more and more productive. And he would be an elite level backup on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now again, just a rental. Certainly not a player you would blow up your roster to attain. But if Osmond can't dig his way out of this doghouse, and I have to say it's frustrating as a, I love what Osman brings in transition. There is not a player on our roster. He and Okoro are two of the best run out and try to create something. Osman, much better finisher around the rim and typically a guy I trust much more to either get fouled or make a basket. But his defensive lapses are killing him. That foul on the three-point shot where he just hit Devontae Graham on the head after he had already given him a great look you can't make those mistakes. JB is unforgiving. We saw him relegate him to the bench for a long time last season. And I am not in the trade Osmond camp pretty much under any circumstances because his contract next year is for less than $7 million. And you know he would be here. But he becomes nearly useless if you refuse to play him. So maybe that's something you look at. There's another guy on the roster who will be a restricted free agent this summer. And that is Nick Richards. I'm only bringing him up, not because I think the Hornets would trade him. I absolutely think they would hold on to him. But I love Nick Richards, 25 years old, 7 feet tall, 
And this season, in less than 20 minutes a game, is averaging eight points and six rebounds. But listen to these per 36 splits. You need to extrapolate. Now, he'll never be in a situation where he's starting here in Cleveland, but he is an offensive rebounding machine. And I'm sure you recall from the overtime game against the Cavs, this was a guy who put 13 points and 14 rebounds on us because Plumlee was in foul trouble. Per 36 minutes, 17 points, 12 rebounds, over five of which are offensive. He's physical, he's long, he's a hustle guy, and he's young. And for that reason, I don't think that the Hornets would move him, but I'm just giving him a nod out of respect. There's three centers in Charlotte. I think the man needs more minutes. Plumlee will likely be sold at a high point here. He's 32. By the time the Hornets are competitive, he may be retired. So he's certainly a name to watch. Dumpster diving. Well, dumpster diving, the category where I put, you know, overlooked people, people who might get bought out, people who've found their way out of the rotation, older players, guys who could be useful for us but aren't useful for other teams. Nobody really falls into that category for the Hornets, probably because they're devoid of healthy talent for the most part. Cody Martin, he's a guy that I like as a role player on a fairly cheap deal, four years, roughly $8 million a season for the next four years. But he's not spectacular. He's not a guy that I think is an upgrade substantially over the vast depth options we already have. We have a glut of names. What we're looking for is a standout. So that category, I'm calling it vacant. And I'm putting a bow on this trade market exploration podcast. Thank you, everybody, for checking these things out. This is really for the diehards who obsess about things which will probably never happen. I would like to reiterate. These are not rumors that are even out there. This is me looking at a team, looking at where they're at, where we're at, and just letting my imagination run wild. Now, I do my best to try to keep it realistic because I think too many times we forget what the other team wants. But by no means are these anything more than just a launching point for a bigger discussion. Those of you who have subscribed, who have rated, who have reviewed the podcast, I am exceptionally grateful. It's cool to see it make leaps up the algorithm and find its way into the ears of some new Cavs fans. And for that, I cannot thank you enough. I am Bob Schmidt, voice of Fox Sports Radio. This is the Fear the Fro podcast. And what the hell? Let's hit the song one more time. A Fear the Fro special presentation. I'm unhappy. Let's make changes. Time to roster. Blow it up. A hypothetical trade. That's what we're here to talk about in depth today. A blow it up. Yes. Pack your house. Pack your wife. Pack your kids. Pack your dog. Pack your whole damn life. Blow it up. A boom. Coming in. Sending out. Player here. Picks there. Dream big. Penises out. Blow it up. A Fear the Fro trade exploration. What the hell was that? Charlotte Hornets. Buzz.